0: going on? Welcome in. Welcome back. All Canadian crew, Wade Zanketa, Connor O'Neill on a Tuesday morning coming at you. Just like everybody's coming at me in my mentions right now. Good morning happen? to all you salty Riders fans. <sighs> oh, Connor, what did you do? I spoke the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth? Exactly. Exactly <laughs> that. All right, for those that haven't seen Connor's
1: tweet, Jeremiah Mazzoli out for the season, ruptured Achilles.
0: On his left leg,
1: on his in left his leg, first, not the same
0: leg he injured.
1: In his first game back in a year from the broken leg suffered by Garrett Marino, which is why Connor tweeted that out. Inflicted by Mazzoli. Mazzoli went down and immediately grabbed his leg. As soon as I saw non-contact and he went down, I went, oh, shit. And then he came out in the walking boot, and it you could just see it on his face. But the Ottawa Red Blacks still, like, on a positive note, they got tackled at the two-yard line on a game-winning tying touchdown. They would have had to get the two-point convert, but... They were almost there.
0: Close, they were close, and I mean, shout out to Dustin Crumb for coming in after that injury. Fourteen of twenty one, one hundred and fifty yards. I know he had the two interceptions, but all things considered, hey, hey, both interceptions were tipped balls, yeah, by the receiver. Obviously,
1: the the second one was a throw behind. Wait, was the second one tipped by the receiver too? No, no. It wasn't both of them were off of tip passes. So kind of fluky where the ball
0: goes. And he still ran for 91 yards and a touchdown too. six carries, 91 yards, 15.2 average. Okay. Dustin crumb. Okay. Dustin crumb. But all things considered, I think, you know, that's a tough situation for any quarterback to come into and, and he handled it pretty well. Ottawa was in the game. Like you said, they had a chance to win the game with a two point conversion and a touchdown, on the final drive and it's tough. They didn't deliver, but it's not like they got blown out. Like this was a 21, 13 game. This was a, this was a, a a one score game. No, I I'm with you on the Dustin Crum thing. It was very good to see. Um,
1: I don't know how well he'll fare this week against the Winnipeg blue bombers who are angry. Um, But
0: let's, let's focus on Mazzoli for this one. Yeah. I, I don't know. Do you want me to air my grievances? Sure. We'll start there. All right. I guess I'll, I, you know, we kind of alluded to it. Here's what I said. I said, Garrett Marino ruined Masoli's career trajectory. It's awful in a four game suspension from 2022. It doesn't even get into count as justice. Said I wasn't going to apologize for that tweet. I'm still not going to apologize for that tweet. I, you know, I don't think that I'm not saying Garrett Marino directly caused this second injury I'm saying Garrett Marino with that hit last year changed the outlook on Masoli's career because I we we were talking about this last night. We were texting back and forth. Jeremiah Masoli is never going to be a starting quarterback in the CFL again, and he might never play again. He's had what three serious leg injuries on his right on his right leg now and just blew up his Achilles on his left leg. That is a lot of damage. That's a lot of wear and tear. And Achilles are ridiculously hard to come back from i know sports science and sports medicine is you know worlds ahead of where it was and an acl injury acl tear isn't as significant as it was in you know the 90s 80s 90s where that used to be a career-ending injury but in achilles we're not quite there yet it still takes guys six months eight months almost a full year to come back from that stuff
1: yeah no i i talked i talked to you about this uh, last night. So, Mazzoli has not played a full season since 2018. Okay, so that's 2019, the COVID season, 2021, 2022, where he had the Garrett Marino hit, and now 2023. So, in the last two years, he has played a grand total of five football games. He is now 34 years old. And let's not act like his time in Hamilton, Connor, was filled with a golden bill of health. Like he missed a lot of time. And that's where the whole debate came in with uh, Dane Evans. Towards the end was, if Dane's going to come in and finish the year for us every year, why don't we just go with Dane Evans? As good as Mazzoli is, he's not finishing the year with us. And, like you said, two significant injuries on your lower body. A big part of Mazzoli's game was moving. You're going to tell me at now 35 years old, he's going to come back from an Achilles and a team is going to sit there and bank like Ottawa on jeremiah to come back from that injury to lead their franchise you can't tell me that they're going to wait for him they have to move on they've been in quarterback hell since they let trevor harris go and this was supposed to be the answer last year was okay well he got hurt nothing we can do this year was well he started the year hurt what are we going to do this was supposed to be the start where he led their franchise and there's no way that they can continue to wait another year on someone who has missed so many games. I, and like, this is, this breaks my heart because Jeremiah is my favorite player in the CFL. He has been since he was in Hamilton. Like my Ticats Jersey was supposed to be a Mazzoli Jersey. The person who gifted it to me did not know how to print the names on it. And I was like, really? But um, it was supposed to be a Jeremiah Mazzoli jersey. And that was in 2017. So I, I have loved this player. I have loved every second of watching this fantastic quarterback sling the ball around. But we can't keep waiting if we're the Ottawa Red Blacks on a savior for our franchise. We, we need to make a decision and move on. And, like, they've checked in with MBT. If MBT comes up, you're not waiting on Mazzoli anymore.
0: No. Plain and simple. No, you can't. You can't. And that's heartbreaking to say. It's tough to say. But, you know, I truly do believe that the trajectory, the outlook of Mazzoli's career has changed forever. It changed forever last year when he took that hit. And... Unfortunately, I just I don't see him getting back to being the the starting guy, which sucks because he is such a fun player to watch when healthy. He's a guy that, you know, he he makes teammates rally around him. He's a great leader, great person on and off the field. My heart just breaks for this situation. It sucks. It just it sucks. That's all that's all you can really say. Yeah, and
1: like to your point, a lot of people are saying like, "No, it's not Marino's fault. The trajectory is what you said." The trajectory I the has injury. changed. Yeah. No, I... Yeah. And when you look at someone's trajectory, if he plays last year, they probably aren't as bad as they are throughout the year. We said that multiple times during the season. Then coming into this year, they probably wouldn't have been one in three to start because Mazzoli would have been healthy enough to play. And who knows? Maybe... Maybe the non contact injury happens at some point last year or this year because they're so freak and wild. But if it was just the Achilles, maybe you still wait. But if it's two
0: back to back, devastating injuries, it, it's tough to wait. It is. It really is. But let's move on because there still are some other games from last week that we do want to get to. There's some dumbassery. Some dumbassery. Hell yeah. Where? Where do you think? Thursday <laughs> night, Connor. Viva La Rouge, baby. Oh, my. I knew you were going there. I just needed you to say it. I hey. just needed you to say it. Okay. In terms of Edmonton, I texted
1: you guys. I don't think I've any seen anyone dumbass their way out of a win in football as bad as Edmonton did. Control I've the game. People- the I've seen people game. dumbass their way out of football games. I've seen it happen. Hell, I think we were probably a part of a few teams that dumbassed our way out of football. Oh, <laughs> of football we never wins. got into bench-clearing brawls in Ottawa? Never. Um, But this was an exception. Not only was the kick by Brett Lothair short of the goal line, I think it hopped twice. Before it actually crossed the plane, and then proceeded to roll all the way about seventeen yards deep into the end zone before the returner picked it up. Not I... to mention, this was after a go or a game tying touchdown drive at the
0: very end of the game. Yeah. Edmonton was was in the driver's seat for this entire game. They were up 11-3 by the end of the third quarter. And, you know, to circle back to, to the play that lost the game, I do feel really, really bad for C.J. Sims because you know that he is feeling this loss. He is taking every piece of criticism. Everything that anybody is saying about this game, I guarantee you he already said it about himself and and I do feel really bad for the guy, but at the same time, this is the CFL and he played that kick return as if it was an NFL kick return or a college kick return where he thought he was just going to get the ball, take the knee, get the touchback, ball comes out to the 25 that no, 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 whether it's him, the special teams unit, the coaches before you go on the field, Especially in this situation, in these circumstances where you know Saskatchewan is going to try to blast the ball and get that Rouge, whether it's your special teams captain, the coaches, whoever, somebody needs to make damn sure that this dude knows to get the effing ball across the goal line and to not give up the Rouge in a freaking tie game. Because what happened? Rouge, Nick Marshall interception, game over. Um, I do want to say, Connor
1: on this two things set yourself up for success like you said you know it's going to be an attempted rouge as the coaches mainly the special teams coach Chris Jones is wearing this because it's like as a head coach you're supposed to prepare your coaches and your players but as your special teams coordinator you're huddling up your guys before they go out every single time to let them know what return you're running, what coverage you're going to be running. If you're in this situation you go, hey, you know, I'm in the left tie game. This might be rouge alert. You're A, explaining it to your guys. B, getting your returners to set up on the five-yard line. You don't have to be in the end zone because you're going to have time to back up to it. And you could attack the ball if the ball is coming down short. So it's like you could have done two things before you even touch the field for the play that would drastically change the outcome. And for Sims, like, you, you want to say you got to know your rules. Uh, I feel like people have kind of just hammered him over the head for it. But you got to know your rules, dude. Like, you are a returner. You need to know the return rules. If Connor was a corner, Connor would have to know his rules on each play. If we had a friend who's an offensive lineman, he would have to know his rules and responsibilities. He has to know that he can't hold a guy by the chin because that's hands to the face. He can't bear hug a guy because that's holding. You, you need to know the rules around your position and about the players around you. Like if he was covering a punt, would he just go and try to make a tackle as the returner caught the ball? No, because he knows that's a penalty. Same same line. So I, I go 50-50 blame. Players should know the rules, but the coaches need to reinforce and remind in what
0: could be a heightened situation. It's pro football. You need to be aware of what is happening at all times. You need to be aware of this situation. You need to be aware of the fact that yes, they probably are going to try to boot one out the back of the end zone. Like I said, like you said, it's tough to see, but damn, you gotta know.
1: Edmonton's own five. Uh, they're now at home against Hamilton, who is one and three. Schultz look good in Hamilton's game. Um, He looked all right. They just need to feed James Butler the ball in any way possible. Uh,
0: Okay, let's talk about BC. Wow. Back (laughs) with a vengeance. Back with a vengeance. I will say, though, at the start of the game, they got away with one. Oh, my God. They got away with
1: one. Marc-Antoine DeCroix should have had a pick six. He did
0: have a pick six. Unfortunately, He he got called back. For no apparent reason. They called P.I. I, on the no. replay, I guess I can see no. what he was looking at, but I disagree what? with the fact that it was P.I. He's standing there. Receiver collides with him. He puts his hands out
1: to prevent himself from falling. Right? You have a right to your own space. And then he recovers. Like, even the hands, the hands on at the top of the route, Dominic Grimes is trying to push off. Yeah. You know receivers are pushing off when they run deep out. It is the easiest way to get away from a receiver and avoid getting a call. Is you just get into their space, a little short arm push, and out you go two-yard separation. Marc-Antoine Croix is just fast enough that he caught you doing that and then caught you again to make a break on
0: the ball that was thrown behind the receiver. I mean, I'm always going to throw my bias towards the DB unless it's absolutely egregious. I thought that was an incredible play from Marc-Antoine Ducroix. It was a great break, great read. He got robbed. I He got robbed. That was a pick six. Should have been a pick six. I don't know. But BC, other than that, in this game, BC looked incredible and and and. Vernon Adams Jr., 291 yards, still on
1: pace. On pace. <laughs> hey, did you say they did an on pace for uh, Matthew Betts? No, I missed on... that one. Yeah, they did an on pace for how many? He's on pace for 32 sacks this CFL season. Oh, he's this playing not like amazing. <laughs> Possessed. He.
0: possessed. This is by far the best season I've seen him play.
1: This is what Matthew Betts looked like. I think David Sanchez said this. This is what Matthew Betts looked like at Laval. Yeah where it, it honestly looks even against professional athletes like he's playing against boys. He is faster, he is stronger, he is quicker to the off the ball. Like Connor, he he's probably jumping a lot of it and just hoping he gets a snap count right. But his first step and his get off it is a nightmare. You're seeing tackles go so flat to try and get hands on him that he just backdoors and he's at the quarterback. Or they set so deep that all of a sudden he goes, okay, delayed bull. You're already in your quarterback's lap. Where are they going to go? It's just just amazing to see. And what, he had like another two
0: sacks? (laughs) He did, yeah. He did. And I will say on those two sacks on one of them specifically shout out to our guy adrian green starting at that safety ball, first though. start but he came up into the hole made the running or sorry made the quarterback make a decision matthew betts comes in cleans it up for the sack so it's gonna go unrecognized on the stat sheet but adrian green with an assist on a matthew betts sack hey uh other shadows outs me and harrison back yogo yeah. First well, first bunch of snaps. Well he tough got luck when he got welcomed to the league. But he was in he was that was great coverage.
1: Both uh, of the catches Davis just made it, a damn play. Both of the plays that well, like the second one was PI. But both plays that were targeted to him deep. Connor, he was right there. Honestly, I'm saying fantastic start. You showed that you could run with anyone in the league.
0: It was good. I, I was quite impressed with uh Baggyogo. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's, you know, that's kind of... He's showing why they drafted him, right? Like, those, those are the things that he was doing at Guelph, things he's doing now in the league. And I will give one more shout-out in this game. Sean Shivers, welcome to the league, big man. 73 receiving yards, 63 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Have a damn day. Big man, really? Wow. Big man.
1: The guys, he honestly... I was listening to the radio for the first... uh couple drives and Big Moj was like he's listed at what five seven he's probably about five six five five standing next to him yeah and I was like oh really like that small so I started to picture like Darren Sproles and then I turn on the tv and I'm like what the hell he's yoked (laughs) yeah rocked absolutely rocked he had he does that I don't know short Shorter athletes always appear to be moving faster because their leg turnover is so much more. But Connor, when he bounces it, like he hit one, uh, he was going off tackle and, uh, DB stepped into the B gap early and he just went whoop outside and was gone for, I think 20 yards, I guess 18, his longest carry of the game. Um, that was where I was like,
0: oh, whoa, this speed is something else. Him and Mizell could be a pretty nasty one-two punch. Not to mention David Mackey's a pretty hard runner as well. Yeah, absolutely. That was a sweet hurdle.
1: Um, but with BC, um,
0: the defense just
1: is devastating. Will Standback had like 17 yards carrying, I think, rushing.
0: Yeah, six carries for 17 yards. They shut him down. Man, they didn't even leave an option for Montreal to try and run the ball. Cody Fajardo was the leading rusher in this game. You're not going to win many games when your quarterback... There's certain circumstances, but you're not going to win many games when your quarterback is your leading rusher and you have a guy like William Stanback in the backfield who's only going for 17 yards. Meanwhile, return of the Mac. So close. So close. I bet you were screaming at your TV. I know you had him as a fantasy pick this week. Uh, when Mazzoli went out, I knew my fantasy week was done. Yeah, that, that was a, just uh, a tough
1: one. Yeah, I'm I'm way down in the other two leagues, but in our league, I'm still first. Barely. So, there was a... Uh... Oh, no, wait, I had VA. haha <laughs> <laughs> No, I uh, Nate Bahar didn't get all the yards I wanted him to. Unfortunately, that's okay. Yeah. I guess I did have a decent week. Oh well. Um, no, Montreal's weird, man. They can be so athletic and so dynamic, and then they have games like this where they just kind of look like a ball of meh and can't really compute at times. Like the blocked field goal. First of all, you're, you're supposed to be tight in your splits to begin with. And then you're stepping down to different pieces. They just were wide. And then the long snapper stepped away from the guard, creating a big gap to begin with. And then the long snapper up and left after a second. Like, I get that. You want to get out. And protect on the return possibility but dude that ball is nowhere close to being gone you just opened up a huge gap so i don't know weird game for special teams bc i was like whoa they had a special teams
0: error and then all of a sudden it was oh never mind they got it back like almost immediately yeah almost <laughs> immediately All right, let's get to the last game here before we wrap things up. Winnipeg Blue Bombers taking on the Calgary Stampeders at home. Bully ball. Out of the the gate. Out of the gate. I checked the score. I admittedly didn't get to watch much of this one, but I checked the score, and it was like 11-1 for Calgary at early second quarter, and I was like, whoa. And then all of a sudden, it's 11-11, and then all of a sudden, Winnipeg shuts out the Stamps in the entire second half. Game over. 24-11 win for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Zach Claro's doing his thing, man. 20 of 28, 230, two touchdowns. You know, not one of these games where he's ripping the ball deep downfield or or all around the field, but just a smooth operator. A smooth operator. Okay, I got two things to talk about. Greg
1: McRae is... The most dynamic weapon, I I think, we could possibly say in the, in the CFO. Like, Lucky Whitehead's great. He hasn't had to catch over 30 yards yet this year. Greg McRae had the field goal return, the missed field goal return, that he just, like, sauntered towards the sideline. And then was all of a sudden, like, hey, wait a second. There's a lane. Gone. And I honestly thought he was going to score. I was kind of upset he didn't. Um, But then on top of that, their one big offensive play of the game, and by big, I'm like 40 plus, was him just tearing down the sidelines for 60 yards, 70 yards. It was unreal to see. Um, So that's Greg McCray. The other thing I want to talk about is, have I mentioned Jake Mayer's mediocrity? and how it was never going to allow the
0: Stampeders to reach their full potential. Maybe once or twice. Maybe once or twice we've talked about this. 14 of 25, 122 yards and an interception. But this is the Jake Mayer that we've seen. This is the Jake Mayer that we knew Calgary was going to have to live with. He's either on or he's not.
1: It's like... There's just nothing threatening about his game. And that's when you're playing a team like Winnipeg, who can just take the air out of the ball and run it for, what, 110 yards between Oliveira, Densky, McRae, and Rasheed Bailey. You need something to threaten people with. And I get it, you don't have...
0: You don't have a lot of your guys. You don't have Kadeem Carey. We don't have... uh... But Dedrick Mills made up for it. He had had 97 yards and a touchdown.
1: I get that. And Dedrick Mills has been great in the absence of Kadeem Carey. But, Connor, no real deep threats at receiver without Malik Henry. And that's with Reggie Bagleton. That's with Trey Odom's Dukes, Clark Barnes. Like You have guys who can stretch the field.
0: But there's just not that
1: threat of it with Jake Mayer slinging the rock.
0: No, I agree. And and this is why I think Calgary is going to have a very up and down year this year. They're going to live and die by Jake Mayer. And unfortunately this week, they died by Jake Mayer. Yeah, I don't know.
1: It's tough. It's tough for me to be a, a Calgary believer with Merritt quarterback. Luckily, they
0: have to go to Saskatchewan, who looks a whole lot different with Trevor Harris. But they did, I don't know, Saskatchewan didn't do much to impress me this week. But it's one it's one mediocre week from the Riders, and we we have seen Saskatchewan explode to start this year. So it'll be interesting to see this week.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm interested to see how some teams rebound, like in Ottawa. Like a Hamilton, quite frankly, you finally won a game. How do you put it together a second time? And Montreal has probably the toughest task of all going against the Argos who are on a buy, off a buy. And you're coming off a big loss. You got to fly all the way back and then have a team that's coming in angry and hot.
0: It's going to be a tough one, but it'll be a fun game to watch Friday night. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to that game. I'm definitely going to be looking forward to the night game. On Saturday, but I think that's it. No more topics for us to talk about until we come back with our fantasy picks, our gambling picks, our week six preview. That'll be Thursday. We'll be hitting that on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. But yeah,
1: stay tuned. Enjoy your Tuesday night. Connor enjoyed his game winning home run. Walked it off. Extra innings. (laughs) Same night as Vlad won the home run derby. Any coincidence? Channeling a little bit. I was channeling <laughs> a little bit. All right. Uh, at Connor R. O'Neill, at Wade Zank, at CF Perspective. If you want to get in on the action, go to fox enter the code CFP15, and get 15% off. The worldwide leader in whistle tech. Uh, coaching boards, merchandise, whistles, the best. Uh, and your marine safety equipment. Uh, foxforshop.com CFP15 50% off your order
0: That's it See you on Thursday
1: everyone So that you can didn't How I